Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Let's get them out of their seats and into the ring. You gotta be kidding me! No, don't do this! This is the Finishing Move Podcast with Nick Cellini, Big John, and Adam Gillespie. We've got recaps, the latest storylines, and the biggest moments from the week. Now it's the Finishing Move from the Fans Podcast Park. All right, here we are, another edition of The Finishing Move. Uh, the Road Dog, Adam Gillespie, Big John Radcliffe, yours truly, Nick Cellini, going to bounce all around AEW and the WWE and take a look back at this week in wrestling history. Let's start, though, guys, by talking about Shaq. It was the uh, talk of the nation on Wednesday night. He and Jade Cargill take on Cody Rhodes in Red Velvet in the AEW. And let's just say, John, that Shaq earned his keep. Yeah, Shaq... Put- he pulled his weight on it, no pun intended, where he went out there and he did more than I actually anticipated. I, I wasn't expecting him to try and pull off a power bomb. I wasn't expecting him to take the bumps that he took. And the biggest thing I liked, he paid homage to Brody Lee. I love the, the motion, the everything, the movement that went into it. It just showed that whether he's a fan or not, he at least did his homework. He went and watched the game film to get his portion of it, to get ready for it. I was entertained by it. I hope we get to see more of him. I hope we get to pay off on a long, very, very, as you would say here in the business, a deep, deep tease of Paul White and uh, him in a match because we've been, at least I have, been waiting for it a long time, Adam, and maybe one day we'll actually get that match to come to fruition. Yeah, we'll see. With Now with Paul White and uh, both of them in the same, um, I guess you can consider Shaq in the same uh, he federation. Is elite. Yes, he is elite. So we'll see. Hopefully them down the road at some point. Uh, and and I was entertained by Shaq too. He I definitely agree. He did more than I thought he would do. I mean, chair shots, table shots, power bombs, tie ups. Uh, the man, I'm telling you, when those I've, we've all met Shaq here in this room, so we know how big a man he is. And when he took those big hands of his and slapped them on Cody's chest, it made me hurt yeah, kind of a hurts. little bit. And you could see the red marks oh, on yeah. Cody after the fact. And I was texting with Kincaid uh, about it, and I was like, man, those had to hurt. You can call it. You know, scripted and faked all you wanted, but those hurt Cody Rhodes, trust me. And you have to trust someone, too. Cody Rhodes, to, to take the power bomb from Shaq. He's not a trained wrestler. There, there's got to be – that's the one thing that people that don't know about this business, John, don't realize. There's got to be a trust factor with one another. You're ultimately protecting one another in the ring or somebody gets hurt. Yeah, I mean, and the best way – as my son has gotten into wrestling, and the best way I could explain it to him – was it's like dancing. You you don't want to step on your partner's feet. You don't want to step on their toes when doing things. And there's a certain level of trust that when a guy who's, what, 7'4", hoists you up there, the velocity that you're coming down with, and, you, and they're trained different things, but you're hoping that he doesn't twist half a turn or push you too far forward to where now you're barreling down, not on your back, but on your neck. There's a level of trust that goes into it. And even the table bump, even where when Cody takes him and, you know, I don't know if you guys saw it, you, where the cameraman needs to move the off of him a little bit. Cody's kind of covering him up. Yeah. He's probably talking to him. You good? And he yeah. taps him. I'm good, brother. Taps him on the back. Switch but, angles in the truck. Yeah, You know, <laughs> see what's going on in the ring. Aim on the crowd. Right. Go anywhere. But it's a level of trust that goes into doing something like that. Because if you don't trust each other, you can easily snap someone's neck in a move like that. And now you're this match 
stops there at that point in time. Uh, Adam, I'm going to guess Jade Cargill, the uh, partner of Shaquille O'Neal, works out a lot. Ooh, yeah, I think she doesn't miss very many days in the gym. Very disciplined. Yeah, she, she gets her workout in probably before in the morning and then in later in the afternoon. Uh, yeah, uh, great body on her. I mean, and that's what she does. I mean, she uh, she works out. That's part of her routine, and it's paid off. I need to maybe subscribe to that plan, maybe start getting in the gym a little bit. It's never it too late. too late for you. I'm nah, nah, it's never too late. For his body to look like Jay Cargill's. Yeah, it's too late it for that. Will, she's been doing that for a long time. So that goes on, and Jade and Shaq actually do uh, win the match as Cargill pins Red Velvet. Then they take a commercial break. Go ahead, Adam. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, coming back from the commercial break, uh, the Inner Circle, the press conference, all kinds of big names. We're big fans of Conrad Thompson's mm-hmm. podcast. He is there asking a question. Can we say what he was called? Uh, turkey. So let's just put it to it like this. Turkey well, something or other. TV. This yeah, podcast well, did, will air on Extra 106.3. Well, that's, that's why I I'll take I'll bleep pause. it out there, put it in the yeah. podcast version. It will be there, and you can call him Turkey. On Red Thompson, yes, he's a big fella. He, he asks uh, them, uh, the inner circle, the chances of letting Sammy Guevara back into the inner circle, and MJF does call him Turkey. Now, he's and, called and, him Turkey a few right. times on Twitter before. And, so and, they- and off goes Conrad Thompson. That's it. That's his cameo. <laughs> yes. There it are, was funny. There are some insults that I've heard, I guess, this year. Uh, steroid ass. Mm-hmm. We heard Old this. steroid old ass. Old steroid ass. <laughs> if I'm sitting in the stands and LeBron says that to me, I'm taking that as a compliment. I'm an old guy that's in shape. I'll take it. Uh, what, what was yours last week for uh, uh, The Miz? Uh, oh, chicken uh, shit. Yeah, there yeah. we go. And now we have turkey So we are on some serious two-word short insults that are going on here that I'm actually enjoying. Yeah, we'll get to The Miz a little bit later on. I... I understand that you weren't going to have the title long. I, I just don't understand what the payoff is for him, the way that ended. But we'll get to the WWE in a few minutes. Eric Bischoff makes an appearance and asks if it was smart for uh, the inner circle to uh, attack Papa Buck. So that that was entertaining in and of itself as well. Just Bischoff being there, having yeah, them out. I think AEW knows. They, they had a great show last night with everything they did, including that. Then later on, you got Tully Blanchard in oh, the man. ring. Um, How about that outfit? He should have come out. I know it's easy for me to say it's not my body, it's not my reputation. He should have come out exactly how he used to dress. <laughs> no, I think he that made the right call. Awesome. I think he made the right call on the track I suit. I still want to know, where did he find a butterfly collar? Red tracksuit with a black butterfly collar. That was an impressive little ensemble that he put together. That to have that custom made to come out there with that. Now I do love the fact that they paid homage to the past there with the belt that they came out. That's with. true. That and JJ Dillon. JJ cool. Dillon. And then we got the four with Arn when he came out after the match. So what's that mean? Big picture? Is this just a one-off? Yeah. Tully yeah, can't keep wrestling. He does no. do the the slingshot suplex, his old move, and he fakes like he's going to dive out of the ring and then kind of does a Ric <laughs> the Flair, Ric Flair wall, Yeah. So. But answer this: You talked about JJ Dillon. When you saw at the end of the match after they won, JJ Dillon, he can't even get his leg no. over the middle rope. No, that at was sad. Point, him trying to get. Yeah, in the ring. I, I'm sitting there watching this, thinking it's not disrespectful. It's not demoralizing to just go through the bottom rope like the shorter ladies do when they climb through yeah. the bottom rope do that he struggled they literally had to pull the ring that rope down all right when he when you're over. 78 years old let's see how well you can get in and out of the ring i thought he did fine all things and considered he did he the did. shoe trick he when did. he hit with the shoe <laughs> i mean it was nothing but it, a, it was an uncomfortable moment though exactly. I, 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 I did notice that. Thing. it's a little uncomfortable to sit but, there and watch his foot get stuck in him you see at that point it's up to the guys in the truck again change the angle yes yes that was you gotta protect the guys. Or someone run over there and just, out of respect, I'm going to hold, hold the rope, the rope for, for him. They and just let him in. Somebody should have done a little bit more for him. That's where I felt like, okay, right, do more. So let's go back to Shaq for a second. He's allegedly taken out of there in an ambulance. Then he's not in the ambulance as Tony Schiavone goes back.
back there. As you said earlier, John, is that setting up something down the line for Paul White and Shaq? Shaq's coming back as the Undertaker. <laughs> He's going to come back in a long black trench coat. He's going to be from parts unknown. If he can get his eyes to roll back in the back. I, that part was a little weird to me. I hope we get that. We, we've talked about it before last week where, like I said, they, they wanted to get into the ring and have a match for whatever the reason was. They didn't. They're both in great shape. We saw Paul White. He looks like he's lost a ton of weight uh, and gotten in great shape. Shaq looks like he's in great shape. And, you know, from what we saw from Shaq, you're not expecting a ton from him. But, I mean, it'd be fun to see these two big guys just kind of go at it in some sort of match for a short amount it's of time. It's always dangerous when big guys take on big guys. It's yeah. usually a disaster. Yeah, it is because you can't because you, when you're a big guy, you've got to have somebody who can bump for you. Right. Shaq's definitely not going to be able to bump for Paul White, and I don't think Paul White's going to really be bumping much for Shaq. Uh, they're just too big to take those type of bumps that you need to do when you're going up against a big guy. And as much as we love him, because we do, I mean, I even want to see on the other channel. I would like to see Brock and Bobby uh, Lashley, right. but. Those are two just two big muscle-bound guys. And what are Brock's best matches against AJ Styles, against um, Daniel Bryan, with shorter or, or littler guys who can take those bumps and those suplexes? Seth Rollins, those are great matches. Yeah, it always looks good on paper, but it never really comes through. History has shown us that. Now, Paul White comes on and says on Sunday they're going to put a Hall of Fame-worthy talent under contract. Any ideas as far as who that could be? Uh my guess would be Paul White going by a different name that's not the big show would be that individual. I mean, I hope not. We've heard so many different rumors of, you know, Adam, you and I were talking, Dave Batista has been some. And there's so many people that the way that AEW has gone out and reached out to former WWE superstars and grabbed them and bought them over, that it could, there's no telling who it could be. I mean, what's Scott Hall doing? What's Kevin Nash doing? Kevin Nash has had a million and one surgeries. He could feel like he wants one more go at something. I, I don't have a wild guess on who it could be. Adam, I mean. My guess is, uh, my, my first intuition was uh, maybe it's going to be Paul White as the wrestler, not the commentator. But that's going to be really lame, and I hope that's not what it is. I hope we do see Paul White in the ring eventually for a match or two down the road, but I just hope that's not the big signing. Uh, if it's Batista. Uh, you know, he never truly got inducted last year in the Hall of Fame because we didn't have a Hall of Fame induction after he was announced. Do you, I can see Vince McMahon pulling his Hall of Fame induction if he does show up on AEW uh, late, uh, Sunday uh, as opposed to going into the Hall of Fame next month uh, as part of that class that didn't get inducted last year. But Kurt Angle, I think I've heard seen CM Punk a lot, but I think that's I just, I just don't see him doing that right now. Was well, it's Punk a great tease. A Hall of Fame? No, but see, he, uh, that's what Paul White said. He said, um, well, I can't remember his exact wording, but it was... Hall of Fame-worthy talent. Hall of Fame-worthy okay. talent. He, he it, did yeah. not call him a Hall of Famer. He said a Hall of Fame-worthy talent. So it's not somebody who's currently in the Hall of Fame. It's somebody who probably should be but isn't. Hornswoggle which, which, it is. Which is also... Big show. Hornswoggle is a part of our walk through wrestling history this week in just a few minutes. I don't know if that's an outstanding tease, but it's a tease nevertheless. Let's talk about what happened on Monday Night Raw. The Miz loses to Bobby Lashley, gets humiliated. So what's the payoff? I know he's a chicken heel, but but what's the, that's like a career killer, what he did there, just to get abused and run away. And It's one thing to, to draw cheap heat. It's another thing for it. And I know it's a storyline, but how do you... How do you reinvent yourself now if you're the Miz, unless he just wants time off to spend with his family? I don't know. There's the possibility of it. He has two young daughters. He could want the time away. He has great success with— I uh, thought it was awful. It, 
I didn't. I thought the the build up to it because I didn't expect us to actually get the match. I yeah. thought the match was going to be something outlandish was going to happen. Bobby Lashley was going to get beat up by Drew McIntyre. We didn't actually get the match, and to get that, the, I think the 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 runaround of it led up to where when we actually got the match, it was okay. So we actually are getting this match. That was the shock of it. To so me. Adam, who's a heel? Who's a face? Is Shane McMahon a face now? Will Bobby Lashley become a face? What? What's to become of this championship reign for Bobby Lashley? Yeah, I think well, I think we're headed to WrestleMania where we're going to get Bobby and Drew, um, and then so Bobby will remain the heel. I mean, the Hurt Business is is really good as a heel faction right now, and most factions usually tend to be heel anyways. So I think that will continue. I I, I completely agree with you though. I don't really understand the purpose of um, Miz winning it. To me, it screams of Hey, we've got this Money in the Bank uh, gimmick. Uh, let's use it or else it's just going to continue to be there, and we're going to have another Money in the Bank match. <laughs> and so we're, we can't have two Money in the Banks running around. So we'll cash it in. We'll put the belt on him for a week, uh, and then he'll drop it to Bobby, and then we'll get to where we really want to get at WrestleMania. But I agree, it just seems uh, very weak. And, like, we didn't have a plan for the Money in the Bank contract, which if you look back a year when Otis was the original uh, winner of that contract, you would say then – do you have a plan for this? And he, apparently they did. Even when you go a little bit sooner, he ca- or at least John Morrison cashed it in for him. Right. They gave it back to him. What'd you give it back to him for then? Let him keep it. That that was probably the point where they realized we don't really have a plan, and this is where we need him to have it for just in case. Yeah, and then you have Braun Strowman wrestling with Adam Pearce and oh, losing God. to the aforementioned Hurt Business. What? What's the purpose now? It, it's just they're digging a deeper and deeper and deeper hole with this Braun Strowman character every week. He's just out there for the sake of being out there, it seems. It's, You're going to get these hands. And that's it. He loses again. He'll, he's, he'll become the new Big Show. And I hate to take that jab, but where the Big Show was, Stephanie McMahon slapping him. You're broke. You need to be a part of this. You need us. Heel, face, heel, face. They're just going to make him into where he's not the attraction of the big monster that he is. He's the attraction of the gimmick that we can just make fun of and let's put him in silly matches and have him lose in stupid ways. That And you got to believe in real life, he's not thrilled about where his character's yeah, going. Yeah, I've got, I watched AEW now and, and I was a little bit skeptical. You guys turned me on to it. And week by week by week, it becomes more entertaining for me. And week by week by week, we continue this theme where the WWE is headed in the other direction. The Randy Orton thing again. How many times are we going to do this? So now Randy Orton comes back as Randy Orton to haunt Randy Orton. What, what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, great question. I don't know. It's and and you're exactly right. W or AEW builds on week after week, and they continue moving the storyline down. Whereas you're in a stall mode with Randy Orton. Well, I mean, is Bray Wyatt hurt? Is that why he has not come back yet? Or they just really think holding him out another month, maybe until you get to a WrestleMania match, is really the answer? Uh, I don't know. I it's like they just keep running in place and they're not getting anywhere. Uh, I think eventually where we're going with Strowman is a Strowman McMahon match at WrestleMania. Shane McMahon, obviously. Uh, so if that's what we get, because Shane uh, is the son of Vince and he can basically say, "All right, at this WrestleMania, I want to wrestle Strowman." <laughs> All right, so then he gets that match. Uh, you know, it's it's not. It's not great. I think there's a lot of potential with Braun, and I've said that before, and I'm a Braun fan. I felt the same way about Bray Wyatt. Their wheels. They, they, what are we doing here? You have a talent, and yeah. you don't know what to do with this talent. Exactly, exactly. Bring him back and get him back on screen. Uh, again, unless he's hurt or just in, you know injured or need, is off just because he needed to spend time with his family. I know he's got a couple young children, but man, it's uh, or maybe he's uh, sick. 
uh, with COVID. Who knows? I, maybe that's not. I don't. I haven't read it's that been anywhere. Out several months. It's so, like, yeah, he's been out for a it's long not time. Not like fourteen yeah. days. Some, somebody's so, analysis is wrong. Uh, so I, yeah, I don't know, but I think it's that. WWE uncreative, which we've called them on this show for a long time now, where they're just spinning their wheels in the mud and not making any ground. So what's happening now? Let's touch on SmackDown real quick from this standpoint. Bianca Belair is going to take on Sasha Banks, right, for the title match. So how do we spin this one? Is Sasha going to be a heel again? Is Bianca going to be the heel here? What what goes on that here? That was the most anticlimactic yeah. segment in, it was confusing. in a long time. <laughs> like everything else in the WWE, it was confusing. <laughs> and there were several things in the segment, first of all, that this Reginald guy, Reginald gets more time with the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship right. than any, mostly any other woman on the roster. So you're right. Does... Bianca Bella, does Sasha Banks make the big heel turn and she takes Reginald from who's the valet or the the whatever of Carmella or does Bianca Belair make the big switch? Does she go with the heel I turn? I think you have to go with Bianca. You just turn Sasha Banks' face. I mean, don't you have to turn Bianca? But she's very popular. I, I, It just seems like to me they're putting stuff together without thinking about the payoff, you know, or the two, three months down the road. Yeah, yeah. Going long term with it because it seems like there's Every, you're putting together a match with, I guess some people would say, this is a dream match. Great. What happens after the dream match? You have to have an match? angle. Yeah. It seems like a collection of what we've just talked about, whether it be Braun or whether it be Orton and, and Wyatt or even now with Bianca and um, Sasha. You know, back in the day, it used to be talked about that Vince McMahon would plan WrestleMania. And then they would work backwards Correct. and work up to WrestleMania. Right now, it just seems like with the multiple storylines, they are taking it almost week to week trying to figure it out. I think the two of these will just be faces when they get in the ring. Um, and there's fans, whether you're a fan of that or not, you know, happening every now and then. Uh, I, I prefer to have a specific person to root against and a specific lady to root for in this case. Uh, I don't think we're going to get that. But both of these um, ladies are great as heels. Uh, it seems like we say that about everybody, that they're better as heels. Right. But I know Sasha definitely, as the boss, is a great heel, and Bianca has shown that as well. Uh, but I think we're just going to get two faces who shake hands at the end of the match, whoever the winner Which is. Which nobody wants, but it probably uh, will happen. Another victory for AEW. We know that NXT was going up against AEW. This isn't official yet, but the word is leaking out that NXT is going to move from Wednesday to Tuesday nights as early as April the 13th. So more problems for Vince McMahon when it comes to taking on the new kid in town, John. And it seems like what they're running into there, first of all, where they couldn't compete in the ratings portion of it. And I know there are people out there who will probably try to cite uh, Triple H as the scapegoat for it because this NXT is triple, has been Triple H's baby. But it's also in the same vein of if you're conceding defeat at this point in time, you're still going up against something that's out there on Tuesday. And I think they can beat Impact Wrestling. First of all, it's hard to find. I, I had to switch cable providers to find where Impact Wrestling is. But the fact that you had this show, and and even they talked about it, the New Day has talked about it before, where they said when NXT started, it really was supposed to be more developmental. WWE has made it too much of a show, and that's the problem that they're running into is they're trying to mix developmental with a show too much, and that's where they're creating their own problems that the talent can't keep up with what you're looking at at AEW, who guys like the like the Young Bucks, long-term on the indie circuit. They don't have the kind of experience that you're going up against, and you're never going to be able to com- compete. And, Adam, you know, we, we always joked about it. NXT is the quote-unquote third brand. It's still developmental, and that's really all it is. 
Yeah, ultimately, you're going there to get your experience. Now there's talk about them having a second uh, tier of NXT where it is strictly developmental, and then you have the show. So it would almost be like a double-A, triple-A, and then the big leagues when you get to uh, Raw or SmackDown uh, as you work your way up. Uh, you tweeted out uh, after this news kind of broke um, on Twitter does this mean that AEW won the Wednesday Night Wars? In my opinion, this that yes, I yeah, think they that's, do. If that's a confirmation. Yeah. yeah, if you're pushing them off of the the night that they originally chose because they can't win in the ratings, uh, I don't see any other reason that they would be moving. I definitely think that means yes that the AEW won the war. Follow the podcast park on social media for live updates as new episodes hit and behind the scenes looks at all our shows. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at the Podcast Park. A yeah, big part of wrestling history. Speaking of which, let's take a walk down uh, memory lane. 99 years ago this week in Wichita, Kansas, Ed the Strangler Lewis defeated Stanislaus Sabisco to win the World Heavyweight Championship. Adam, what's your favorite Ed the Strangler Lewis match? Uh, this one. <laughs> You've been listening to wrestling yes, podcasts. So have I, obviously. Back then, though, we, we hear all of these old-time guys, like the Fuller brothers, uh, Ron Fuller and... Uh, Oh, the other Fuller. He was, uh, oh, what was his character's name? He was the guy that managed Harlem Heat with Sister Sherry for oh, a while. Oh, uh, Robert Parker? Yeah, yes. Robert Fuller is his, his brother. They talked about how they were getting work. Their grandfather, Roy Lee Welch, was a big-time promoter, and they didn't know until they got into the business that the business was a work. I mean, they grew up until they were, you know, until they entered the business themselves. Yeah, that's how it was. Then back they were in the smartened day. up. I mean, family members wouldn't yeah, let you, you in. So I, I can't imagine what it was like ninety nine years ago in this business. That's I mean, a, that they that's what they would say. Like back in the day, when you were uh, going to like a wrestling school or you wanted to start training, the first day you would show up, they wouldn't even tell you then that you know it was scripted. They and they would work you over. Yeah. And then if you kept coming back, eventually they would let you know. Yeah. I mean, it was tight lipped back in the day. And and it's even fun. I mean, I'll even fast forward. I don't know if you guys have been watching. Was it Young Rock, the Rock Show? And I know it's a sitcom and what have you. But even the segments where you know he's talking about his dad, uh, Soul Man Rocky Johnson, and being there at a poker game with Andre the Giant, Iron Sheik, and the Rock as a kid is just saying, "Yeah, wrestling's fake." And Andre Giant walks over, picks him up. Don't ever say that again. Right. As a kid, here's your kid who's watching his dad for a living do this and saying just. Sitting there on the floor, yeah, it's all fake. I mean, we're we're at a point in time now where we all understand that it is scripted or fake, if you want to use the F word. They don't like that you word, though. But, that but word. not even mm-hmm. even today, because yeah. Soldier Boy came out and on Twitter and kind of alluded to it being fake, and he got responses from Orton, Briscoe, uh, one of the uh, uh, T Bar from uh, I can't Re- Retribution. Retribution, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, even today, that word does not go over well when you talk about it. and think about the t- uh, Hulk Hogan and. The comedian, oh Richard Belzer, Richard Belzer, yeah. and then uh, Doctor yeah. D, David, yeah, Doctor D, David, Schultz, John Stossel, around. John Stossel. I mean, yeah, that you don't say that word in in that company. Well, you protect the business back then. You protected it a, a little bit more. Twenty four years ago this week, WCW presents Nitro for the final time from the storied Omni. Of course, we know how big the Omni was for Georgia Championship Wrestling for the NWA. I mean, they hosted the first War Games match in 87 at the Omni, four Starcade events, and the Omni would be torn down in July of 1999, just four months after this show aired. Listening to the Arn Anderson podcast, he was asked by Conrad Thompson about wrestling for the first time at Madison Square Garden. He said it wasn't a big deal to me because for me, growing up in the South, 
The Omni was our version of Madison Square Garden, and anybody of a certain age understands exactly what Arn Anderson was talking about if you grew up in the South watching Georgia Championship Wrestling. Now, I personally am the exception to the rule because I was always a bigger Georgia Championship Wrestling fan because we watched it on TBS. I mean, for me as a kid, when I was in junior high through, I don't know, my first couple of years, maybe even beyond that, a high school, 6.05 to 8.05, (laughs) On Saturdays, man, I was glued to that TV watching World Championship Wrestling with Gordon Soley. That was appointment viewing for me. And moving down here from New York, they're exactly right. The Garden for us was the mecca for basketball. It was for it was the pinnacle that you wanted for rock concerts. When you were a musician, when you played the Garden, it was always you made it. You played the Garden. But when we moved down here, and I was always in the wrestling, and then just to see the Omni. And I saw it first as the Hawks basketball arena first. And then to see it, it was like, okay, I completely understood what it meant to the city of Atlanta and what it meant to the South because the different territories around the time we moved down here, the territories weren't as big. But WCW was coming up. I had known of Georgia wrestling. And it was, okay, I see what they mean, that this is a completely – this is the place that you want to get to. This is the place where you want to have those matches because it was a great arena to hold it in. And it seemed like the way that place was built, sound just didn't escape. No, Sound was- just bounced back into you. And Adam, I know you watch the old shows on YouTube. It was fascinating to watch, and you could still see them on YouTube, the old Georgia Championship Wrestling shows mm-hmm. on Saturdays, and they would promote the Omni. It was so long ago, there were only seven numbers. There was no <laughs> yes, area there code. There was no area right? code before. Yeah, no joke, the call to get tickets. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of history. Like you said, Arn, that was the Madison Square Garden of the South for the wrestlers in Georgia, uh, GCP and, G- and Jim Crockett promotions, and then WCW for a short while. Uh, yeah, a lot of wrestling history. Uh, war games uh, that went on in that building, uh, the birth of war games in that building, I believe, or if that was in Charlotte. Uh, but yeah, I, it the was. Charlotte Coliseum and the Omni, that that was considered the, the mecca of yeah. professional wrestling in the, in the South, Southeast. Sure. Yeah. yeah, a lot of history and a lot of great matches went down there. 18 years ago, Raw comes from Uniondale, New York. Stone Cold Steve Austin makes his first appearance since uh, taking his ball and going home. He walked out actually uh, twice and and this time, he didn't want to do the job to Brock Lesnar in a King of the Ring qualifying match on Raw. You're right, it happened here. And then as he's off, he and well, his wife, Deborah McMichael, they were together at the time, have a, a situation where Austin actually pleads no contest and fined $1,000 and given one-year probation and 80 hours of community service based on a domestic dispute. Uh, thankfully for Stone Cold Steve Austin, that was in the days before social media because if that happened today, I guarantee you it would have been uh, a steeper price to pay for Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, as some people would say, career killer. Yeah. We would not be talking about a Stone Cold podcast and TV shows and all the other things that still continue on after his pro wrestling career because that would have been a career killer in just a scenario like that. And particularly... You know, when you're talking about Deborah and the the attitude era of wrestling and how beloved she was, I mean, look, Jerry Lawler coined a phrase based off of her, her coming to the ring and the young men that grew up watching her that would advocate for her to go, like, look, Stone Cold would have never been able to continue his career. No, and uh, Stone Cold, of course... Uh Really earned a lot of his stripes with Jerry Lawler in Memphis, wrestled here in Georgia for a while. And I, I go back to uh, Robert Parker, uh, Colonel Robert Parker. He gave he was the manager uh, for stunning Steve Austin Steve, at the, the time Blondes, when he was down Pillman. And Austin was flirting with the idea of going 
to the WWF at the time. And Parker told him, look, man, you're making 275000 down here. Don't, don't rock the boat. He said, yeah, next thing you know, he's making $14 million with merchandise and everything. It's like, what do you want to listen to me for? It's a good thing you didn't. And even when you talk, uh, when you listen to uh, Paul Heyman talk about when he got to uh, to ECW, he said, what do you want me to be? He said, be yourself. Yeah. And Paul Heyman said, Who's going to believe with that accent that you're a Hollywood blonde? <laughs> Who's going to believe you're from Hollywood? Yeah. And he, he said, no, you're right. And he went to WWE, the ringmaster. He got the million-dollar belt from Ted DiBiase, and that didn't work for him either. Yeah. 13 years ago uh, this week, it's since come back, but 13 years ago this week, the WWE Cruiserweight Championship officially retired, and Hornswoggle, you brought him up earlier, Hornswoggle was recognized as the last champion you know when he sat under the ring remember when he came out from under the ring for i don't know if it was a monday night raw or it was a pay-per-view he was under the ring for like three hours waiting yeah. to come out yeah i've heard stories about said, what'd you what do down happened? there he said i just played my game boy yeah. down there. what, what else am i supposed to do under the ring especially uh on the podcast we've listened to uh <laughs> when you have to maybe go to the restroom and you're under the ring yeah. i remember there was a specifically a mr perfect story about what he did under the ring one time uh, but yeah it's uh that's funny i've always thought i mean they you got to sneak them in there before unless you ha- you're in that certain arena where you can get them under in a tunnel or somehow uh, the very few that probably have that option but it's yeah i mean Hornswoggle I always thought was a fun gimmick. Yeah. Uh, it was funny. I got a chuckle out of it. He was never there for very long. Uh, he just kind of did his thing and, and then disappeared. You know, I enjoyed Hornswoggle. I did not enjoy the Cruiserweight Championship, uh, which he retired it with. And I, d- I haven't enjoyed it since it really came back. I do enjoy some of those guys. But overall, mm, I and didn't it, miss it. It's kind of sad because, I mean, when you look at some of the people who've held the Cruiserweight title back in the WCW days, you know, Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero. Jericho, right? Jer- Chris Jericho. Jericho. Yeah. Well, they were all brought in. Uh, they all came Benoit, in. Malenko. So many of them that held that title, a title that all of these guys are now basically Hall of Famers. And I don't want to be disrespectful of Hornswoggle, but it is one of those things of like, okay, that's the last person to hold it. You couldn't have let Kidman come back and let him walk away with it. But it was just... It was a great title, and then it was just a fun gimmick with Hornswoggle, like you guys said, you know, to sit there and watch him under the ring. And it's even fun now when you talk about people being under the ring and the era, the age of cell phones and social media when you see Bray Wyatt have to come from under the ring and then sprint to the back like, yeah, that was subtle. Good right. job. Yeah, well, cell phones have ruined everything, I tell you. Now, the title, that Cruiserweight title, was retired the previous September on an episode of SmackDown when general manager Vicky Guerrero Excuse me! confiscated the title from Hornswoggle. Vicky Guerrero, another one of those accidental things that makes you famous. She's told the story on various interviews, podcasts, shoot interviews, if you want to call them that. She said, excuse me, because she completely lost her place. She was following the script, lost her place, and everybody sensed she got lost. So she said, that's the first thing that popped into my head. Excuse me. And the rest, as they say, is history. It's organic, man. And here she is, never, you know, Eddie's widow, never involved on screen, all of a sudden becomes this personality. I guess she's the sweetest lady behind the scenes. It's it's just funny to see how hated she is when she On gets the screen, out yeah, there. no doubt. Wearing the cougar necklace. So anyway, just thought I'd bring that up. Twelve years ago this week, Mr. T, in an interview with the UK Mirror, revealed he had turned down an invitation to go into the WWE Hall of Fame because Pete Rose got in first. What? Huh? Yeah. 
I don't pick your battles there. I don't know if that's one. And I think we all now had, you eventually got in, but well, I think we all wish he had continued to say no because if you remember his speech when he got inducted, we all that was a little bit of a ride there, a wild ride to listen to that speech. But uh, yeah, you know, he was in the first WrestleMania and in the main event of the first WrestleMania, he deserved to go in eventually. Now I don't know why he, what beef he has with Pete Rose, uh, but he said yeah. Pete Rose isn't in his own sports Hall of Fame. We had Pete Rose on me and Domino years ago, and I said. You know, do you think that maybe hurt your chances to be taken seriously by the Baseball Hall of Fame when you went into the ring in a chicken suit and Took got tombstone by Kane? You know what he did? His answer was he explained the storyline to me. I said, well, I get the storyline, but you're Pete Rose wearing a chicken suit. I mean, I understand why you did it. Storyline, kayfabe wise. I can't see Joe DiMaggio going in there and getting, I don't know, wearing, uh, I don't know, an eagle costume and getting clotheslined by Bruno San Martino. I mean, you're Pete Rose. And like Jim Ross said, that's Pete Rose! That's Pete Rose! May have been the greatest call of all time. He just kept screaming his name. And that's one of the great parts about Jim Ross is what he brings to it in terms of just that moment right there. Can you think of anyone else? I mean, Michael Cole, I'm I'm, a, I'm indifferent about how I feel about Michael Cole, Cole on a call, but Jim Ross doing just that took it from where, okay, it's Pete Rose. And then just to hear Jim Ross doing it, Okay, this is way more interesting just with that little yeah. nuance like, to it. Jim Ross was appreciated, but then, like Michael Cole, it made sense to make him a heel because nobody yes. liked the guy anyway. But you're, you're forcing it. Jim Ross said, look, I was just doing what's good for business. I was doing what I was told, but eh, Jim Ross is a heel. It's like, eh, yeah, never what are we doing over. here? When he brought back the fake razor and fake diesel. Yeah. and he How was do you like that, fans? <laughs> it wasn't good. No. Eight years ago uh, this week, William Moody, better known as Paul Bearer, after his passing, is inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Another guy that I've heard nothing but great stories about behind the scenes, Percy Pringle for years, and and the faces that he used to make as Paul Bearer, I mean, that's gold. I mean, that's just wrestling gold. The only thing I never liked about Paul Bearer, I used to always feel bad when he would take a bump because he was such, yeah. he was really round, yeah. and he bounced. Like, when he hit, he bounced like a ball no matter mm-hmm. what. Tombstone power driver, he hit, he bounced. And I shouldn't speak ill of the dead, but it was just one of those things to watch. I just preferred he never take a bump. Yeah. Let him stand out there with the urn. But he was great. And the whole concept, even when he was inducted into the Hall of Fame, and this just shows the pro that The Undertaker is, that he comes out full Undertaker garb. Everybody mm-hmm. else in tuxedos right. at this black tie event. He comes out full Undertaker garb and drops to the one knee, holds up in honor to to Paul Bearer. I thought that was really cool. Even though Paul Bearer turned on him in favor of Mankind, which, by the way, during that promo when he turned heel, he said one of the greatest things in the history of wrestling. Undertaker, I am sick and tired of being sick and tired. (laughs) Can't beat that. That earned. How many people besides the, I mean, you CM Punk had it. Kamala melted it down and made it in a gold necklace at one point in time, which it was melted back down, back into an urn. That magical urn, those damn powers just never went away. Yeah, Kamala. There there are some things that you could never do today, nor should you do today. Kamala and uh, Hakeem the Dream. Uh, the Godfather. You, yeah, certain things maybe you want to stay away. Papa Shango. I mean, it's just some things you, you maybe don't want to do again. But uh, listen, uh, nobody's batting a thousand. Uh, speaking of which, we talk about tragedies in wrestling all the time. Dark Side of the Ring, I guess, is coming back in the not-too-distant future. And season three looks like it's going to feature a number of things, including now, I guess, a talk series. That's going to make its premiere on March the 9th. The 9th. Uh, with one uh, 
before mentioned uh, Conrad Thompson is mm-hmm. going to be the anchor for that. Yeah, so looking forward to uh, that. I guess this year you're going to hear the story of Brian Pillman and the aforementioned Steve Austin, really tight with Brian Pillman over the years. He's going to be interviewed in that, among others. And uh, Grizzly Smith is the father of a few people, Jake Roberts, Sam Houston, Rockin' Robin from the WWE. And I don't know how many people have seen Beyond the Mat, but the story of Grizzly Smith <laughs> yes. and the things that allegedly he did to his children, to his children, the things that he did to create his children. Yeah. I don't know how much of that they're going to cover, but I would imagine they're going to cover some of it. Well, they usually do a pretty good job of getting in all the nooks and crannies of the people's lives. That is or a stories. horrible choice of words with this gentleman right now. <laughs> so they will. I'm, I'm sure they'll go down that road. And if you haven't seen Beyond the Mat, I think it, or at least last month, it was currently on Netflix. Yep. So I would go check that out if you haven't. It's a great. Uh, Documentary. Is Foley's daughter still wrestling? No, she never. She's not wrestling anymore. Noel. Noel. Uh, she's still a big wrestling fan. Every yeah. time I go down to AEW, she's always in the crowd, and she, and she always is posting, um, you know, pictures from WWE pay per views and AEW pay per views now. So she's still a big wrestling fan, but she she tried it out and it wasn't her thing. Because she was the one, uh, of course, McFoley's kids. It's so long ago; they were little kids. His kids the, were crying when he in, fell off the mm-hmm. hell in the cell. Was well, uh, well, he was crying. He was crying. His son and his daughter when uh, McFoley was taking the chair the shots, chair shots from, from the rock. rock. Yeah, just kept going and going and going. Anyway, so that'll be featured. Chris Canyon and the Dynamite Kid, Tom Billington, another guy that. Hmm, not a lot of good things have been said about the uh, Dynamite Kid over the years. He recently uh, passed away, but those are some of the features on the Dark Side of the Ring Season 3. So. And some of the stories that go behind it, I mean, when you think like Chris Canyon, Chris Canyon was one of those wrestlers that in the ring as a performer, everyone talks about how amazing he was. And we always talk about, you know, Jake Roberts and everybody, their demons outside of the ring. They said his demons were dark for Chris Canyon. They, he's made mention of how when they formed, uh, what was it, the... Uh, it was him, DDP, and uh, Bam Bam Bigelow, the New Jersey triage or something like that, Mafia, how he said DDP saved his life for that stretch of time. But when DDP left, it left him with nowhere to go, and that's when the invasion happened, and they said he went down a very dark road. So if you have, if you guys haven't checked out you know, Dark Side of the Ring for the seasons one and two, you'll enjoy every bit of it if you're into all of that. And uh, good for Conrad Thompson, Adam. I, I pray every night that he gets more work. Another podcast. Yeah, no, yeah he, well, he just added that Kurt Angle podcast, yeah. and now he's got Damn this, this thing going. Too. He saved me money on my mortgage. Yeah, <laughs> if you can only just turn that corner <laughs> and get discovered. Yeah, no joke. He's got that whole ad-free network is going, is going really well for him. I, man, dude, dude I, I don't know how he could do anything else. Yeah, well, listen, that's going to wrap up another episode of The Finishing Move. Thank you, fellas, for uh, reviewing and walking down wrestling history. And maybe one day we'll be the subject of the dark side of the ring. Oh, boy. Maybe not, but hey, listen, one never knows. We'll talk to you next week. Wrestling's fake. Wrestling's not fake! Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. 
Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.